Welcome to God is Open. Today on God is Open, we're going to be responding to James White. Now, we hadn't been planning to air this episode or record this episode, but in light of recent events, we it, it is timely to respond to his response to recent events. You know, if, if you're not, if you haven't been paying attention to the news, there was just a mass shooting in, in Las Vegas. There's an individual, he went up to maybe the 32nd floor of a hotel and he fired down onto a crowd below. There are, there are thousands of people in the crowd and uh, about 60 people were killed and about uh, 400 other people were injured in this attack. So very tragic event and all of the Facebook, all of that's mourning, except for these Calvinists. These Calvinists come out of the woodwork to say, this was for God's glory. The, the Fred Phelps of the world, they'll go out there and say, this is the glory thing for God because he's punishing you for things that he forced you to do from all eternity that you had no choice not to do. And this this is what he glories in. This is what these Calvinists, their response to these events are. And it's pretty pretty sickening response, especially considering how with how little respect they treat the Bible. And the Bible doesn't talk like this, and the Bible doesn't glorify all evil to all always happen. And often, you know, even when God declares a punishment on someone, he's not controlling that punishment. And so the people cry out, and then God comes and saves them from his punishment because he's not meticulously controlling that punishment in the Bible. But let's hear James White, and uh, we'll see what he says here. A little bit more skeptical these days. But we don't—all we know is anyone standing up there with an automatic weapon, not a semi-automatic weapon. Uh, it's, it's always painful to listen to James White because he's so punctuated. He's, he he, he, he pa- pauses, and um, um, he thinks, and—, and he, he talks like William Shatner with pauses. So that's my, my James White impression. He's like, Spock, beam me up. Stardate, 7, 2, 9, 8, 5, 7. So uh, for, F, for, for, for just in order to bear this, we're going to have to put this guy on a 1.5 speed. I know people listen to me speed sped up. I think I talk fairly fast. So James White's going to be like super fast for you. So I apologize on that front. But if we listen, listen to him on normal speed, we'd be here all day. Which you can buy at gun stores. You can't buy what this guy had at a gun store. Um, I realize there's a lot of really confused people about that. Uh, but that's another issue we won't get into today. Anyway. Oh, look at me. I'm James White. I'm signaling my gun superior superiority to my audience because I think that someone who disagrees with me about guns is listening to this podcast right now. I don't think so. I think you're preaching to the choir. You're up there with a full auto weapon. Um, fairly high caliber. I, I'm guessing AK probably. That wasn't M16. I, I know the difference between the sounds. And uh, those those were heavier bullets. That was, a, that was probably 30, uh, 30 caliber. Um, 7.62, something like that. Anyway, you're just pulling that trigger. He's he's signaling there. He's uh, he's virtue signaling to his audience, and you know I'm I'm a pro gun type of guy, and uh, but that's mm, uh, that's a little much, guy. That's a little much, James White. And you're just emptying out banana clips, probably thirty rounds each, um, or 
drum magazines, maybe? That sounds a little bit more probable. But go on. Let's talk more about guns and your, your podcast about Calvinist and, and what type of uh, feed mechanism for the bullets did God predestine from all eternity to slaughter these people who just came out to have a good time at a concert, right? Let's let's listen to that. Um, into maybe into people who cannot fight back. You're just into maybe into people who can't fight back. Oh, committing murder, and you know exactly what you're doing. You've been planning it. <laughs> Who's been planning it longer, the lone gunman or God? So who is guilty of murder? Sure, sure, in the Calvinist thing that. God narrowly defined this guy's entire life that he has no, no choice to do anything but everything he did. And that led him to this murder. Okay, sure, he's culpable. But who's a little bit little bit more culpable? Who's who's the person who meticulously arranged this in all details? So, so who's the murderer in this case, James White? Who is it? We look at something like that. And the secularist who views mankind as merely... As merely an animal, a you can't even it's not even properly it's not even proper to say highly evolved animal, because high assumes something that the secular worldview cannot actually provide. Just except for a few, let's let's pretend evolution is true and uh, you have uh, more complex species. You could call them the higher relatively to the less complex. I'm not an evolutionist, but you could do that. It it does work with human language. I'm a complex product of evolution. You look at that, and when you call that person evil, on what basis can you can you really say that? You're, you're yeah, that's true. If you don't have theology, if you don't have God, you don't have morality, and that's that should be pretty basic to anyone that there's no basis for morality outside of God. You're begging the existence of a, of a objective morality to give your words any kind of meaning, you can find it horrific. You can use you can use terms to just you're shocked that anyone could do something like this, but it's it's just. As has been pointed out, it's it's one blob of of sparkly stardust doing something to other blobs of sparkly stardust. That's really all it is when you boil it all down. And so you can talk about man evolving morality and, well, this is bad for the group as a whole, so that's why it's morally wrong, all the rest of that stuff. None of that. He does get to open this. So there is there is a point of uh, that why I know this video exists, because someone sent it to me saying he, he bangs on open theists. So that's that's here. It does anything in here. We all know that's a bunch of garbage. We all know that's 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 made up to explain a particular scientific theory that people are absolutely dedicated to religiously. But how's a Christian supposed to respond to this? Because on the one hand, we say this individual is responsible before God for what he does. Responsible before God. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good response. And we'll be judged by God. And so that immediately raises the issue, well, could God have stopped this man? Why does that raise that issue? Why? Why? Okay, I, I throw this example out all the time. You're, you, you have no positive responsibility to act. Kids are starving in Africa as, as we speak. Kids are dying all over the world. And you could dedicate all of your non-consumption income to that cause to save those kids. James White, why don't you act? You have a positive responsibility to act. So... You, you explain your basis for your questions. Why is God required to act? Because he can? Is that sufficient reason? Are there no competing other uh, motivations for not acting? Is 
What? What? Why? It, should God just control us like little robots, that, like like you suggest, and just make sure everyone's good all the time? No one could do any. Maybe you could slap someone once, uh, but once the slap is done, you can't do any worse sin because God is micromanaging the world with with robot precision to make sure that you're doing everything correctly. What? What a hellish world that would be, wouldn't that? This uh, forced compliance with with micromanagement to be good. Uh, so what what are you suggesting? Is that the world you're suggesting we should be living on? And no, you don't, because you th- actually think that the current world that we live in, the current world that we exist in, this is the greatest of all possible worlds. There's no such world which would give God greater glory. So if there's one less child raped, that wouldn't be for God's greatest glory. So if you lose that one child rape, God doesn't maximize his glory and that universe cannot exist. So that's this this is our maximum utility. This is the maximum glory to God and it's a reflection of glory to God because remember God God can't receive anything to himself and the the creation just reflects his glory. It doesn't give God glory cuz God is perfectly immutable and impassable. Do you talk about this stuff? Absolute nonsense. But let's go on. And Obviously, we have to, biblically, say God could stop anyone from doing anything. The open theist says no. God didn't know what was coming. He knew his possibility, but he didn't know if God would go. Okay, again, I, I, I throw this out every time that these Calvinists talk about knowing the future. I can know the future. I know that I will stay in tomorrow and not go to work. Do, 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 do. I know the future. Oh, oh. It's so scary, but normal people know the future, and knowledge isn't doesn't have to be this like a hundred percent knowledge of objects that actually exist. That's that's not how knowledge works. It's not how it's used. It's not how the culture defines knowledge. The only way place that you actually find this weird Calvinistic definition of knowledge that knowledge has to be a hundred percent accurate of of actual objects in existence. You only find that in these theological discussions, and it's really forced. So they're trying to hijack what we connect with the word knowledge, and they're they're hijacking our emotional connections with that word, and they're importing it onto their theology. And then they argue on a very emotional basis. Do you think this argument that he's setting up right now, do you think it's going to be an intellectual argument? Or do you think it's going to be a, oh, uh, my emotions are harmed. My name is James White. I'm a fragile man and, and emotions. Um, open theism is wrong because emotions. I, I have emotions and I'm an emotional man. Mr. PhD, what is your PhD in, Dr. White? Is it in emotions? Maybe you're like uh, the crying man. I don't know. Someone who just emotes all day and you got a doctorate in that. Or I think, I think that's what happened. Which means that that's why the open theist, God doesn't know um, what, uh, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. He doesn't know when you're going to die because your death in all probability will be the result of numerous free will choices by free creatures. And God can't know that. And so the, the open theist goes, nah, uh, you know, God will do the best he can to put it all back together. And I'm not even including process theology and all the rest of that garbage in this right now. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, God, he just, he just casually, it's, it's, everything takes God by surprise according to this caricature that James White made up in his own head. You know, not everything takes us by surprise. Even when there's a shooting in America, people are like, yeah, 
I was kind of expecting it was about time for another mass shooting. You know, you got the the nightclub shooting. You have this shooting. You have, you know, the Columbines. There's a school massacre. There's more and more terrorist attacks in Europe. Oh, what's that? Islam is doing another jihadist uh, terrorist explosion attack. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not quite unexpected. So... What, do we have knowledge of the future, James White? We do. Does it have to be everything in detail in particular? It doesn't have to be that for us to have knowledge of this future. And it's not this we only understand after the fact type of stuff. This this complete surprise every time we experience something new in our life. Human beings don't function like that. We function actually pretty well with with relatively accurate predictions of the near future. Just stick with uh, these things. But if you're a Christian and God doesn't have a decree, then when God created this world, he knew this was going to happen if you believe in divine foreknowledge. So then he moves to Armenia and he's like, I've dealt with open theism. And see, Ed, we, we reject open theism because whew, emotions. Now he's going to deal with Arminianism and he's going to say, we, we need to reject that because emotions. God knew this was going to happen, but he doesn't have a purpose for it. If God doesn't have a purpose, how can we deal with that? God has to have a purpose. What? How can we live in a world where the things happen without a purpose? And what if God foreknew that thing would happen and it didn't have a purpose? Oh, aha. It's this uh, fragility, fragility, this, this Calvinist uh, delusion. And this is what their theology is based on is their compiled emotions and insecurities. They, they have an entire religion based on this, and they always argue in this fashion. It's like, who am I arguing with, like a five-year-old or something? He just, you know, either you do the Molinist thing, and I, I, I don't even know how you go there. You know, God's just, those were the cards that were dealt, and somehow, to get the best result, you had to include this guy. I'm not even mentioning his name. I haven't memorized his name. I don't want to give him any... any any. The Calvinist thing is not, oh, God foreknew it. It's God had a plan for everything that happens in the future. So if there's a lady and she's struck by one bullet and killed, but then another bullet hits her in the head and explodes the head, that was purposeful. And every single splatter of every single atom from that uh, headshot after she was dead, just further mutilating her body, every single atom placement from that blood splatter was for God's greatest glory. There's purposes in everything. You you throw the tea leaves. Um, you're you're one of these crazy uh, Chinese philosophers. You try to read your tea leaves. Guess what? They're right. All these all these uh, crazy mystics who try to read the bones. They toss the bones, and however the bones fall, they're saying there's meaning in these bones being tossed this way. Well, according to Calvinism, they are right. There's meaning in everything. So if you go to the bathroom and it, you have to do like two wipes instead of one, or or maybe it's like you go to a bathroom so bad that the only way to take care of it is to jump into the shower. That was predestined by God for his greatest glory. There is purpose in that, purpose in everything. There's an ant that uh, just randomly like gets crushed by someone walking. That ant was eternally purposed for God's greatest glory. There's There's a purpose in everything so mystical and crazy and absolutely insane and so what he does is he tries to stick to the macro events and uh, he says well, these macro events must have purpose but that's not quite your belief your belief is macro events and in every single minutia to the most absurd level 
has purpose. Absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. So, so what you're doing is you're appealing to people who understand that macro events often do have purpose. World War II, there's purpose. There's there's actors behind World War II, every single one of them trying to affect their purpose. And uh, guess whose purpose is won out? The general patents of the world. The American army, the British army, the allied army, our purposes won out. Our, our strategies had purpose, and we could see that. But that doesn't mean every single minutia, every single soldier who dies, every single bullet. There's a picture from World War I where there's so much, so much bullets flying in the air. They found two bullets that actually collided in midair and stuck together. And so think of the, the, the chances of that happening. That was eternally purposed by the generals of World War I because there's the macro events had purpose? I don't think so, James White. I don't think so. You, you're building your case and you're, and you're not bringing it to its logical extent. And you're trying to appeal to people's sense that other macro events have logic. And think about this. So if, if you're designing designing a criminal justice system. What do you want illegal? Theft and murder. And then what if the James Whites of the world come and say, you want to you wanna make murder illegal, but you don't want to take care of the very, the smaller things like unregulated hairdressers who are cutting hair without licenses. You'll go ahead and you'll regulate murder, but not these smaller things. So that's, that's the wrong direction. That's the wrong direction. The government shouldn't, should not, be regulating and micromanaging everyone's lives. And so the big things they should take care of, the big, big events in the world, maybe God does have a purpose for, and often he does in the Bible. But you can't move from there to every single minutia has purpose. That's huge jump in logic. You have no evidence at all anywhere in the Bible for this. And we'll see. We'll see from what you say here. It's just very forced. You force it on the text. It's and you're supposed to be a PhD of philosophy, the Bible. I'm a great Bible writer. And you, you don't care about context. You're in your little cultish world. You're your little bubble, right? Your echo chamber surrounded by your minions feeding you praise and adoration for your, your insane ideas. And then they come to, they, they, <laughs> they spread out in the world, spreading their idiocy in, in the form of memes. And no matter how many times people address them, talk about the context of their proof text, they just go on repeating just the basic, the basic uh, refrains. They, they can't deal with anything deeper than the surface level because they don't have real arguments. It's a cult. It's a cult. Fame. But somehow, I guess, God had to include this guy in the mix. And God knew what he was going to do because of middle knowledge, but there wasn't anything to do about it. And somehow he just had to work it in here uh, so as to protect man's autonomy. And still get the best result. This was, this was the best guy could do. Uh, that's the Molinist understanding. Well, someone says, how about you, Mr. Calvinist? God decreed that this man would do that. There wasn't anything to do about it. <laughs> wasn't <laughs> anything to do about it. Um, I was looking at the book of Isaiah, and I was listening to what Scripture says. I am. This is Isaiah 45, beginning in verse five. I am Yahweh, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising of the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am Yahweh, and there is no other, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am Yahweh who does all these. And <laughs> yeah, so I create uh, good things and I create bad things. I, I create children, right? That's something I do. I create children. Does that mean I create 
every children everywhere on earth. Does that mean when I say I create good things, does that mean I create every good thing ever to exist? No, you're you're bringing a lot of forced assumptions. And what God is talking about here is his power to act, his power to decide, his power to bring things about. And the audience he is addressing is literally a hostile audience. They're trying to convince people who reject Yahweh. They're trying to convince those people to worship Yahweh. So he's not controlling them to reject him. That's counter to his purpose. His purpose is to say, I can do things. I do all these things. I'm a powerful God. And because I'm a powerful God, you should worship me. So contextually, it's Mr. Scholar James White. You don't understand what's going on. Yet you don't read this for, for trying to get contextual understanding of any text in the Bible. You're looking for it through the Bible for your own proof text to reinforce your own crazy nonsense that you want to bring to the Bible. It, it doesn't work. The context doesn't work. The context doesn't suggest that. The context suggests... Literally the opposite. Isaiah argues like an open theist. And we got a whole podcast on Second Isaiah where we go over Isaiah, his arguments, and, and how he tries to, to convince the audience that God is capable and God can do stuff. And the Calvinists, they don't think so. They, they think God is weak and powerless. They th- say, if he doesn't control everything, then he can't do anything because I can't imagine how someone who doesn't know the future and doesn't control everything can do something in the future. I just, I have no idea. So, so obviously Isaiah must be siding with me. No, he's arguing against you. He's arguing against you that God can do things, something you don't believe. And as you, as you know, in Isaiah 45, 7, well-being is shalom, creating shalom and creating raw calamity or evil. You're misreading. I create children. Does that mean I create all children everywhere? No, it doesn't. Learn to read. That's that's the biggest Calvinist problem is they discard normal reading comprehension techniques when approaching their proof texts. I am the Lord who does all these. And he's talking similarly to what you have in Amos 3. Um, when Read Amos 3. He says, I don't do stuff unless I tell my prophets I'm going to do that stuff. Does the Lord act against the city unless he first tells his prophets? And so in that context, we understand God does not do everything. God doesn't destroy every city. God doesn't tell his prophets every single thing to ever happen. God doesn't tell his, his prophets that I'm going to wiggle my fingers like this. The, the finger wiggle, right? God predestined from all eternity me to move my hand, this pinky first, um, and then this index finger, and then my thumb, and then wiggle it back and forth. And all of that is purposeful in Calvinism. And per Amos, that God doesn't act unless first telling his prophets, all that was foretold to a prophet so that, uh, you know, then people understand that God actually did it. No, you didn't even read your proof text. You did not even read your proof text. But go on. Tell me what your proof text says and just ignore the context. Just just not understand what's going on in that context. In asking a number of questions, one of the questions that's asked in Amos 3.6, if a calamity, and that's ra'ah, same thing, if calamity occurs in a city, has not Yahweh done it? Well, a lot of people would say, no, no. But the fundamental understanding of Yahweh in the Old Testament, this is one of the reasons that the Brian Zons of the world don't really, you know, they, they want a different God than the God of the Old Testament. Um, they don't want to believe this. They don't want to believe that, that Yahweh does whatever he pleases in the heavens and the earth. And 
Okay, so let's let's actually read that. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. What? God revealed this shooting in Las Vegas? He revealed it to his prophets? Where? What prophets? No, you you don't understand what you're quoting. You don't even understand the verses you quote. That's a pretty bad thing for someone who owns his own uh, Bible uh, ministry type of radio podcast. It's pretty bad. You don't understand your context. The seas in all deep places and, and that he accomplishes will and, and no one raises a hand to say, why have you done this? They, they don't want any of that. They don't, that's not something they're interested in. Okay. If you believe that God has a sovereign decree and he's accomplishing his purposes, what happened last night is a blip in history. I mean, what, what we up to 58, I think, last, last I saw, 58 dead and over 400 injured. Yeah, I would agree here. It is a blip in history. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of atrocity throughout history. And so and so your claim that uh, God meticulously used every single bullet to hit every single person directly splattering their brains everywhere and directed every single molecule. All that is a drop in the bucket to what's happened throughout history. I've been reading the book, The Gulag Archipelago. It's about uh, Soviet Russia. They killed upwards of 60 million of their own people. Horrific, horrific stuff. These are, are the most terrible human beings in all of history. Basically, these, these Russians, these communists, the, just the torture, the misery, the fear. Got 60 million people. That's a, that's a lot of people. And it's disgusting. So your claim is that this shooting in Las Vegas is a blip in history. Yeah, it is a blip in history. So you have to explain a lot more than this. You have to explain why God would torture millions of innocent people in Russia for no reason. Create a Soviet state, create uh, widespread terror. Mr. Second Amendment, your Second Amendment, oh, they didn't have a Second Amendment in Russia. And you think that was to God's greatest glory, that this disarmed population went willingly like sheep to their torturous deaths. It's sick. It is sick. It's a sick theology. And, you know, maybe, maybe if it was biblical, I would understand it. I'd say, oh, this guy's just a Islamic fanatic. He believes in his Quran. And I, I understand, although he's a fanatic and he's psychotic, I understand his adherence to his religion. But it's not even biblical. So, so James White can't can't claim fanaticism as the reason for these sadistic evil beliefs. Over five hundred. Um, ever heard of the firebombing of Dresden? You've heard of Hiroshima, Nagasaki, but uh, the firebombing of Dresden, where we didn't use nuclear weapons, but we used conflagration devices. In That's where we go. We go to World War II and Allied action. Okay. Incendiary devices that literally fried people where they lay on the streets and turn them into charred. I mean, you had to just dig them off the pavement. It was so hot that it, it melted people right into the ground. Um, there have been horrific things that have happened in human history. And I, I think one of the problems is so few people today know anything about history. We, we don't have a context. That's the problem. That's the problem. Or if, if more people knew history, everyone would say, you know, these horrific things that happened uh, this weekend, well, guess what? There's even worse horrific things. And so definitely the stuff this weekend was was light enough so that 
we're okay with God meticulously controlling every bullet hit on every single body, every single mutilation, every single individual who's there to have a good time, having their life uprooted and destroyed and throwing a nation into panic and chaos. That's a blip on the radar. So we should be okay with God meticulously controlling all of that. Just look over here at Dresden. These people singeing, burning to death. Yes, singeing, burning to death. We should also, we should also agree that God meticulously burned these people torturously to death in His uh, plan for ultimate glory for Himself. It's the Calvinist argument to put things in, and as a result, whatever we're experiencing now is always the worst it's ever been. It's not the worst it's ever been. It True. Yeah, that's accurate. It isn't. Um, you can you can deceive yourself into thinking it is. Every generation wants to think it's never been this bad. Yeah, that murders uh, worldwide, maybe half a million people a year. I think I looked at 2012 stats. It was about half a million people worldwide. And communist Russia governments have killed over 200 million people within the last century. You got uh, communist Mayo China, 80 million. Soviet Russia, upwards of 60 Germany up to 20 million. You got the Pol Pots of the world. It, you got the North Koreas of the world. It's it's sick. It is disgusting. And and of course, you know the Bible says they made princes, they made rulers, but not by me. Yahweh says he says they made them, but I knew it not. God didn't endorse these governments. God didn't want these governments to form and to happen. And the fact that these governments exist. That, that's in opposition to God. God did not use the Roman Empire. God did not want the Roman Empire. And then remember, if we read our New Testament, the purpose of uh, God coming, his second return, was to liberate the people of Israel from the oppressive evil empires of the world. Make them a new nation, overthrow existing rule. This is not stuff he wants. But in Calvinism, their twisted logic, everything that happens, God wants. God even thwarts himself, oh, because he likes to slap himself, because that's that makes sense in Calvinism. It's for his greatest glory. I'm just going to punch myself a little bit, and then I'm more gloryful. I don't know. But it's it, the, the fact of the matter is, the history of man's ability to engage in these things is long. And you go, okay, fine, Let's we'll take that as a given. You mean God has a purpose in all this? To which I respond, biblically, when that tower fell. Oh, this this is atrocious. Let's let's listen to Bible scholar talk about this. In the days of Jesus. And Jesus made reference to it. You remember how he made reference to it? <laughs> yes. He didn't say, oh, that, that terrible tragedy. Oh, I'll have to question the goodness of God that something like that could happen. And why didn't he? Who was he talking to? What was his audience? And what did they believe? Happened because this tower is being built. It, it collapses. That happens. Happened more in the ancient world than it happens today, but it still happens today, too. Jesus made reference to it. We're talking about the incarnate Son of God. Um, the question was brought to him and for a specific purpose. What was the purpose of the audience bringing? Who was the audience? And what was the purpose of bringing that to Jesus, right? And. He responded to it in the proper way, in the right way. We need to respond to it in the same way Jesus did. He didn't view it as something that was outside of God's control. Here is... <laughs> what? What? 
Tower of Siloam. Okay, I'm going to just build the context. I know we've talked about this before, but the Pharisees was a people group in the time of Jesus, and they were the fatalists. They're well known as being fatalists. Josephus mentions this as a core part of their doctrine. So they're looking for purpose in everything. They're the Job's friends of the world. They believe that everything that happens has to be for a certain reason. And what they do is they approach Jesus because they're trying to see if he's one of them, if they're going to adopt the Pharisee fatalist position. But Jesus sees through this, and Jesus' ministry, his concerns were not fatalism versus free will, the nature of the future. Like James White, this is his entire focus of his, his, he thinks he thinks that this interaction was about his own private concerns that he cares about that are not found in the context, not found in the Bible. Jesus, he didn't have, he didn't care about these stupid Pharisee issues about fatalism. He didn't agree with them. It wasn't the point of his ministry. Remember, his primary ministry was repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is is coming, coming now. So reform your life. And so they want to sidetrack him to their stupid fatalism, their stupid Calvinism, and he won't let them. He's not going to engage them and say, well, you know, the future's kind of open and let's deal with this from a philosophical, let's, let's talk about the nature of the future. No, he's like, this didn't happen for a reason. This did not happen for a reason. You're so obsessed with these people being like the most evil. They're not. They're not. Sometimes sometimes things just happen. But, but, take this as an object lesson. This is what's going to happen to you because the end is near. Jesus was an apocalypticist and he refocused to his primary ministry, his primary concerns. And James White's just sitting there thinking, oh, this interaction's about my primary concerns. And guess what? My primary concerns are confirmed by this somehow, somehow, because I don't understand context. I don't know, understand his audience. I don't understand what's happening in this scenario. But go on. Jesus taught a sparrow doesn't fall. A sparrow doesn't fall without God's knowledge. And it's not just, oh, he's just observing everything. <laughs> well, it's, not, it's not just uh, that he's just observing everything. Do you get that from the context, the verse? Because not one sparrow falls apart from God is... What's that about? Do you, where do you get your theology? Where do you get your reading of it that God's causing everything? Is it in the context or are you assuming that onto it? Jesus believes in the absolute sovereignty of God, the kingship of God. I, Jesus believes the sovereignty. Let's hijack a word. That means now you mean meticulous, fatalistic control, micromanagement and not sovereignty. Sovereignty is general rule and kingship. And everyone believes that. But let's go ahead and hijack words for our pagan philosophy. And that makes our, us feel good better because sovereign's a nice word. Micromanagement is not a good word. And so we'll go with, we'll pick the sovereignty one, even though we have to change the definition. And uh, we'll stay away from micromanagement because there's bad connotations with that. It's every word of the Old Testament because it was he by his spirit that gave it to us. You're a Trinitarian, you believe that. And so... Jesus' response to what seems to us to be a random tragedy was to remind us of the brevity of life and the judgment of God. <laughs> there, there we have it, guys. Okay, we're going to have to stop there. We're at already like 35 minutes. But there's the purpose. He, Oh, James White has discerned the purpose of God. So maybe when Amos says that God does nothing without first revealing it to the prophets, James White is that prophet. All hail, James White's prophet. 
and and he uses Yahweh's name. And it always disgusts me when he uses Yahweh's name. He doesn't worship Yahweh. He worships the God of Plato. I don't think he's a Christian. And uh, he's kind of a scummy person at that. You know, people talk about their private interactions with this guy, and he's, he's full of himself. You know, I might be like a jerk, but a lot of people like interacting with me because uh, I'll, 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 I'll try to be personable. I'll try. But uh, this guy's just a scum, scumbag. Maybe we'll try to do a podcast on, on how intellectually dishonest he is and uh, some of the behind-the-scenes actions. Leighton Flowers doesn't – Leighton Flowers like the nicest guy ever. He doesn't want to interact with James White because what a scuzzball he is. But James White, you got it. You, you found the purpose, the divine purpose in just slaughtering a lot of people randomly for no reason. There's a purpose. It's, it's to teach us an object lesson. You just teach people object lessons by just killing a bunch of people. That's what you do. Yeah, if, if you're a Calvinist, and then that's that's your theology. But, but, no, it's it's not. If... If anyone has any questions or comments on this podcast, uh, send that to godisopenquestions at gmail.com. If you care about related issues to this, we have uh, the the purpose of evil. We got a podcast on that. We also got a podcast on if God controls the weather, and it talks about events that he doesn't control. And uh, just anything on reading comprehension. Anything on reading comprehension, you'll understand that uh, it, you know, the... the, (laughs) Their proof texts, their the proof texts don't say what they want them to say. It's a forced, a forced reading, and with what conviction that he uses these proof texts, that these proof texts mean what his theology is. Ugh, it's it's humorous. It's humorous. All right. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs>